You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Every campus, happy Father's Day. Dads, we love you. And uh, as we begin, I wanted to speak a word of blessing over every father in every room at every one of our campuses. So if you're a dad, I don't care how old you are. If you're a granddaddy, I need you to stand up right now. All right, brothers, y'all look at me right here in the face. Everybody keeps standing. So a long time ago, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, and he said, I look for a man who will build up the wall and stand in the gap, and I didn't find one. And so according to his own promise, Abba Father sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and stand in that gap and build up the wall on our behalf. And our King Jesus speaks to each and every one of us today, come and stand in the gap with me. So my brothers, would you hold your hands out in front of you in a posture of receiving as I speak this blessing over you? You are a father. There is a battle raging all around. Take your stand. May you take up your weaponry today with extreme confidence. For God is with you as a dread warrior and you will not fail. You are a father. Your weapons are not weapons of flesh, but those more effective armaments of the full armor of God, including the sharp two-edged sword of the word of God and your bondage-breaking, generation-making, kingdom of darkness-shaking prayers. You are fathers. May you be given ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit reminding you of the words of Christ and declaring your children's futures to you. May you operate in your house like a priest and a prophet, faithfully and gently teaching the word to your children and grandchildren and forecasting their bright futures with your words of blessing. You are fathers, but first you are sons, sons of God, seated with Christ and peacemakers in the earth, accepted, approved, and adored by God the Father. With you, he is well pleased. You are fathers, and may you be faithful. You are faithful, faithful to God, faithful to your families, faithful unto death or the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. And I want to give this a special word to today. I know the Father's Day can sometimes be tough if you have lost your dad or if maybe there wasn't a dad present in your life. And uh, so I just, I, the, per, the people I'm thinking, I was thinking about Clayton and, and High King who have both lost their dads in these last handful of years. And for anybody who is in that spot, I just want to tell you, I just have this image in my heart of those fathers, those dads who have maybe gone on before you who were so special and important to you. Um, standing shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, interceding for you and cheering you on right now. So I hope that image stays with you today. Also, I want to give this, just, this word to any single mom in our church who is faithfully having to wear two hats in life. And I just want to tell you that Abba Father is proud of you and he is interested in being everything that you need 
in your house. And this house, this church, is filled with spiritual dads who would love to come beside you and partner with you in the raising of your children in the ways of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay. Hey, so through the years, our church has, has done the fathering thing. We, we care so much about the next generation. It is such a huge deal to us. Kidspring is amazing. Fuse is amazing. The gauntlet is amazing. Listen, y'all, the gauntlet is coming up. We are about $140,000 away from completely fulfilling our gauntlet fund, which basically makes it possible for every kid to be able to go and have a great time. What, whatever the kid spends at gauntlet, our church spends about double or more than that. So that's what you need to know is, is the, is the picture. So I just want to call everybody at our campus. Come on, y'all. Let's stir up some generosity here and make this happen for every kid who wants to go to the gauntlet this year. We're almost there, y'all. We got this thing. New Spring Church has always been about the next generation. If you've been here for a minute, you know that's what we're about because we believe that God is doing what? A new thing. Now it springs up. That kind of looks, that looks like kids sometimes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So God's doing that new thing. Let's partner with him in that today, all right? Y'all, I'm, I'm so stoked that this, is, that this is Father's Day. My kids got me a scooter yesterday. That's amazing. They, they were like, Daddy, we love to scoot around the neighborhood. You need a grown-up scooter. So I went and just did my rock and roll thing. I got a bunch of old school band stickers and put it on there like it was a skateboard. And I was like, let's go scoot, kids. So that was, I hope y'all enjoyed that. Y'all, I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful for my dad and my, and my granddads that all three of them served in the military. Uh, my, my two granddaddies were in World War II. My dad was, was in the Army. And, uh, you know, I, so a part about dad in my mind is that standing in the gap for freedom. That's one of the things I love so much about our country, too. You know what I'm saying? It's like this nation was founded with the eye toward freedom. Now, we made some mistakes along the way, but this is what we're all about, is the declaration and experience of freedom, which is why we're not just celebrating Father's Day today. We're celebrating Juneteenth today, too. This is awesome. Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. So Juneteenth is the celebration. And I, I mean, honestly, I was not aware of this for so long until just a handful of years ago. But you guys know the story by now that in 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was given for the abolishment of slavery. But it was another couple of years until some African slaves in Texas finally found out about this because the decree finally reached them and they were told, you are free and we are here to enforce that. And this has become a celebration of black culture in America, which is so vital and important. It means something to us and to our church because we share Jesus Christ's vision of our eternal reality, which is every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, all dressed in white, around the throne, seeing blessing and honor and glory and power be to our God forever and ever. Can I get an amen, somebody? Listen, y'all. We are being given as a church for us grace to not live left or right, but kingdom down, right? High King talked about this so beautifully. Listen, y'all, it is our moment to be able to live a different way and do a different thing and to truly live with the vision of Jesus Christ in our minds. I was praying about this. What should I say when it comes to celebrating Juneteenth and this scripture just bubbled to the surface in my mind. It's Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of sight to the blind, the bringing into the light those who are captive. 
And that word spoken by Isaiah lingered for centuries, that decree, until finally there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who stood up in the synagogue and read that and then said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You guys, when we celebrate Juneteenth, let's think of the kingdom. And let's look around and imagine every tribe, nation, language, every culture celebrated all at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Christ as the one that we have all our focus and attention on. Guys, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment this is. So in the celebration of that, I want us to read some scriptures and to pray together and to receive this blessing as we continue. This is a landmark day for our church as it is every single year when we pass this. One of the things that we need to uh, to understand, we are set apart and different when we don't pit Juneteenth and Independence Day against one another. Do you know what I'm saying? Is anybody reading me right now? Listen, y'all, freedom is what we are about. We are God's people, the most free. Okay? Everybody with me? Everybody, would you stand? Every campus, please stand to your feet right now for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 4. The scriptures will be on the screen. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together as we remain standing. Abba Father, you are the one who spoke the words over our church saying, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so God, we receive this identity for our church that we might be a people who are after your vision of seeing everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with God. And so God, would you give us great grace to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, and to pursue the kingdom vision. Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream, and last week my brother High King Paul talked about what he could imagine. And Jesus, we know that you don't dream or imagine anything because your tiniest thought becomes reality. Every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. One body around the throne saying, blessing, honor, glory, power, be to our God forever and ever. Thank you, God. And so now, New Spring Church, would you open your eyes and put your hands out in front of you to receive this blessing? I bless you in Jesus' name. To be a kingdom people with the heart of Almighty God, with the eyes of Jesus Christ, and ears to hear the word of the Holy Spirit. To be able to think his thoughts after him to be able to see that kingdom vision and to make it a reality in the earth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, everybody said, amen. You may be seated. All right, y'all. So, so far in this series, we have, uh, we've gone chapter one, two, three. Today we land in Ephesians chapter four. 
I hope you guys have been enjoying this as much as I have. The, the, this, this opening statement that we've had that Brad talked about in week number one has been so important for us, and it's going to be up here on the screen. If you're taking notes, you can take, take notes here. And uh, so we want to sit and receive an unshakable identity. We want to walk in unity, and we want to stand in victory. And so th- these three statements kind of help you get a sense of what's happening in the book of Ephesians. So chapters one, two, and three I'll talk about sitting and receiving that identity, where we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Chapter 4 and 5 talk about walking this faith out, walking in unity, walking in love. And chapter 6 talks about standing in victory. So today I get the pleasure of, uh, you know, beginning this journey in walking this this, uh, faith out. And so I want to tell you guys just real quickly, Ephesians chapter 4 is such a special chapter to me. Just from a pastoral perspective, I've been around at New Spring Church for more than 20 years, and I've had more counsel, you know, pastoral counseling conversations where I have recommended Ephesians 4 as practical help to know how to just, just get around with people in your life. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. There's so much depth in this chapter, so I want to really encourage each one of you to take some time and to read it for yourself, to go through all these beautiful things that are inside there that we're not going to have a chance to go over today. So the thing we want to talk about today is walking unity out. Like, what does it look like to practically walk it out? Unity would be really easy if people weren't involved, right? I mean, that's just the thing. It's like, if you want to be unified, you can totally do that really, really well if it's just you in a room all by yourself. But like, when people get involved, that's when unity gets difficult. So um, as we go through this, I wanted to set this message up in a real practical kind of way. I'm a musician, you guys. I, mean, you know, I love music. And so many of my favorite songs have like, they have the title and then they have the parenthesis of what else is in the title. You know, if like the, if the main title doesn't do the whole trick. I wanted to give you guys a couple of examples just to show you what I mean. So I love the, the uh, Carol King song that Aretha Franklin made famous. The name of the song is called A Natural Woman. But the whole title is You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Right? So that's how this works. So the next one is Fight for Your Right. This is also Beastie Boys classic, Kenny and Child of the 80s and 90s, like represent. Okay, the whole title is You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. All right, so I know these are older songs, so I wanted to do something for the Gen Z slash millennials in the crowd. So like the next one is Love Story, Taylor's version. Uh, somebody told, I hear a lot of laughter from over here. L- listen, so uh, somebody told, because I, I was under the impression that every Taylor Swift song uh, was her version. But somebody told me she has some issues with a producer or something else like that. So she re-recorded all of them and then put Taylor's version inside so all her fans would know these are the ones you're supposed to listen to. So I get it. I mean, it's fine. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's why I wanted to use that, that kind of like title reference to create a summer unity workout playlist so to speak, for us today, under the title, this is the title of the message, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is United with People. The whole title of this message is How to Be United with People You Don't Like. (laughs) So we're going to get real practical here today, you guys. How to be united with people you don't like. All right, y'all. I got four tracks in this playlist. Four points, four tracks in this playlist. Y'all ready? Here comes point number one. Track number one is allowance. The whole title is give them an allowance. Give them an allowance. Um, Y'all got any pet peeves? Anybody? No, just me. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to show you guys a picture um, of my kitchen sink. And uh, here it is. This is my kitchen sink. Side note, 
This photo is used with permission, by the way. All right, so this is my kitchen sink. You'll notice there's some like leftover dishes. There's a coffee mug in there, a couple of, wait a second, what's that thing in the middle upside down? That is a milk carton. And if you guys, just to know the layout of my kitchen space, like the trash can is uh, not six inches from the kitchen sink. Um, I do the dishes most of the time in my house, and when I approach my kitchen sink and I see this, which I frequently do, it becomes a pet peeve for me. So one time I asked my wife, Allie, I was like, why, 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 why do you do that? Why? Because that could as easily be an upside-down Starbucks cup or a can of Sprite, let me just tell you. Anything that has a little bit of liquid that needs to drain out. So she told me, I mean, I asked her why because it was annoying me, and she said, do you honestly think I have time to let that carton of milk drain out in the sink? I am too busy. And I was like, respect, respect. No, no big deal. I will happily throw that away for you after it drains out. Um, I don't know if you guys have any, any, any pet peeves, but that's just one small way of understanding that like in our relationships with people, Sometimes we just rub each other the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? And the scripture is helpful for us in that, in that it instructs us to give each other an allowance, a budget to be imperfect or a budget to be different, a budget to do some things that might rub us the wrong way. Let's go to the scriptures here. Ephesians 4 verse 2 in the New Living Translation says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Um, expectations kind of get us in a twist. And, and sometimes people can let us down if we really have high expectations for them all the time. Sometimes our margins for expectation can be so razor thin. That like we have this relationship with this person and when they do something that upsets us or irritates us, they could just bankrupt that whole situation right there and all of a sudden you're just like, ugh! I mean, I don't know if that happens to you. That definitely happens to me. I remember an illustration of this. My son, Gray, who's seven years old, we were having a bunch of people over, and it was a bunch of his friends. We were, like, in the backyard playing around. And I don't think things were going, you know, so well for him. He wanted to play. Somebody else wanted to play something else. And he, so I just looked out the kitchen window and saw him stop in the middle of the driveway with his fist beside, and he said, this is not what I was expecting! <laughs> I walked outside, and I said, Welcome to life, my son. <laughs> Welcome to life. But the idea of giving someone a budget, giving someone an allowance because we love them is extremely Christ-like. I want you to think about that. I mean, when I think about it, I think, how much budget does Jesus give me? I mean... He went to the cross and died for my sins, even the ones that I haven't yet committed. So his budget is at least as big as all the sin I'm going to commit for the rest of my life. So when I think about being in my house and I wake up in the morning and I'm just anticipating how I'm going to be irritated by the most beautiful woman in the world who lives in my home, I just stop and think, wait a second. Let me, just, let me recognize who this person is and give them an allowance for my kids, for the people I work with. I mean, how would things be different? Let me just ask you this question. How would things be different in your day 
if before you went to work, that person who annoys you, the person who is a grace grower in your life, feel free to use that term. They're not a beepity-beep, they're a grace grower. What would it look like if before you had an interaction with that person, you had already given them an allowance? You had approached the situation with humility and with patience. And because you love them in Christ, you're like, all right, I'm going to give you a budget today. I'm going to give you an allowance today. That, that's a good way to start because then it leads into the second track, which helps out with the first track, which is the second track is tell them the truth. The whole title, tell them the truth in love. Has this ever happened to you? This happens to me from time to time. You know, I'll go to work, and uh, maybe I'll have a working lunch with some people, and um, we'll go to a particular restaurant. Maybe I'll have a salad. You know, I'll have a salad and some leafy greens, and maybe you get the peppercorn dressing. You know, those are real tasty, like peppercorn dressing. And, you know, through the rest of the day, I'll have a bunch of meetings and, and uh, tell some jokes, have you smile real big, look people in the face, you know, that whole situation. We've all been there. We've all done that. And then I'll go home. It's like, you know, 5, 5.30 or something like that. I walk into my door and it's like, hey, everybody. And my wife comes right up to me and then she says, you have something in your teeth right there. <laughs> oh, and you got, you have like a leafy green rainforest happening in your teeth right there. And then on the other side, yeah, you've got some peppercorns. Like, you basically have something in every gap in between all of your teeth right now. And I will look her in the face. I'll take her hands and I'll say, you are my only friend. <laughs> you are the only person in this whole wide world who cares about me. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 in the message says this. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. So many of us, if you've got somebody who is rubbing you the wrong way, who's being irritating, who is like, they have used up all their allowance and then some. The only thing in the world you want to do is just tell them. You just want to tell them off. You just want to tell them the truth right there. Bam! Other people... Maybe you just don't want to disappoint them or something else like that. All you're doing, you're avoiding the truth and you're not telling them anything. You're just like heaping flattery on them. I mean, this, is, this both happens like in our lives, right? Well, I want you guys to think about this. This doesn't happen every single time, but this is a good way that I like to think about the truth and love inside of how we relate to people that we interact with. The truth with no love can destroy Love without truth can deceive. Truth without love destroys. Love without truth deceives. And like Jesus, who perfectly modeled both of those, we walk in his footsteps as we're learning to walk this thing out, and we speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. 1 Corinthians 13 is such a beautiful passage. I mean, so many of y'all, if you got married, you had it read at your wedding, which is, I mean, that's kind of like putting a witness before you, like, bam, here it is. You got this at your wedding, so you got to live this out. I mean, like, I don't know if 1 Corinthians 13 is the best thing to use as, as a, at, at your wedding if you're trying to go for that. But, like, anyway, the thing that is, is true about 1 Corinthians 13 is that it is a one-way street. Love is patient even if they're not patient. Love is kind, even if the other person is not kind. Love is not arrogant or rude, regardless of what the other person is doing with their ego. 
It's not easily irritated. It keeps no record of wrongs. Because when we think about what love actually is, love sees with clear vision. Love sees the reality that is in someone else's life. And if we operate with that in mind, we will absolutely know when and how to speak truth, right? This is one thing that sets the people of God apart. We don't pop off. That's not what we do. We don't pop off. We talk to the Holy Spirit first, embody his love for that particular person, weigh what needs to be said, and then we go into it. Remember it says in James, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The Bible has all we need to tell us how to do this. How much would this change your interactions at work and with your family if you just like embodied a bit of this? I'm telling you guys, the Bible has it all. And Jesus is ready to help you and the Holy Spirit's ready to fill you and help you as well. All right, y'all, track number three. Remember who you are, the full title, and who they are too. Uh, my kids have been on a huge Lion King uh, kick lately. And you know, when you think about the phrase, remember who you are, I mean, that's, that's you know, such a big part of the Lion King. Like Simba's trying to, he forgets who he is, right? So many times when it comes to walking out unity, walking out dealing with other people, we can totally forget that we have been transformed by the gospel. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I heard that somewhere. When we think about dealing with other people in these relationships that sometimes can, be, can create a lot of friction for us, one of the most important things that can help us is if we remember who we are and who they are too. I remember growing up, my dad would say things like, hey, McDermott's don't do that. That's not who we are. And today I find myself saying the same thing. Hey kids, McDermott's don't do that. That's not who we are. When we talk to people, how we look people in the eye, I mean, all the different, different things that make up who we are as we walk our lives out, there's a particular kind of family way we do things, a family culture, if you will. And what the Apostle Paul tries to give us in Ephesians chapter 4 is some sense of what that family culture is like. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 now, verses 17 through 24. I want to read a little bit of this and give us some sense of what Paul is talking about here. 17. Now this I say in testifying the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Can I tell you one of the things about Meredith Knox's preaching that I love the most is when she like gets on the stage, she says, hey, saints. She says, hey, saints, all the time. And it's totally intentional because she wants you to know you are brand new. You're a new person. Saint means holy one. And it is the most frequent term used for us in the Bible. Holy ones. When we think about who we are, we need to think about that reality. We are not just a bunch of sinners. It is true we have been saved by grace, but we must walk around transformed. What would it be like if we operated like a bunch of transformed people? Man, I'm telling you, it would be amazing. 
It's helpful for us when we're dealing with these relationships and we're walking them out is that we understand where everybody else came from too. Y'all remember a couple of weeks ago when uh, Pastor Dan came out and he said, we all got here the same way. We all came from the same place, which was Deadsville, USA, population, everybody. That is so true. Keeping that in mind helps you give grace to the person who cuts you off in traffic or who you're working with or a relationship that has been so deeply painful for years and years and years. If you can understand who they are and understand who you are now, all of a sudden you're sitting in a place of power and self-control in a way that maybe you weren't before. That's why remembering who you are and who they are is so important. All right. The last one, the last track, y'all. This is, this, is this is the hit right here. Forgive, because Jesus forgave you. Forgive, because Jesus forgave you. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says this. This is the last verse in the chapter. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is easy, right? It's easy to say. It's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. I would even go so far to say is that complete forgiveness is impossible without the gospel. Which is why at the end of this chapter, Paul is very clear. He says, forgive as Christ forgave you. I want to tell you guys that the, this has been something that has been so important to my life. Because there have been a handful of times, just like you guys, when... There's been a relationship in my life that has gone sideways in such a way or to such a degree that it has created such a deep well of offense and a root of bitterness in my heart that I couldn't think straight. I'm talking about to the level that I needed to go to counseling to try to figure this out, which is such a great way to do it. It's such a great help. And the thing that this verse commends is the basics of our faith, the base level truth about what we believe, the gospel. Jesus on the cross is the most powerful engine for you to use when it comes to forgiving other people. So when I was in counseling during one of these, these times, I've been in counseling several different seasons of my life. But in one of these in particular, I was really struggling with, with forgiving someone who had created a tremendous amount of hurt in my life. And the way that the counselor put it to me was, the way that sin works, offense, the way that offense works it's kind of like credit card debt. So the thing that he told me was it's like anytime someone hurts you or wounds you, they rack up a balance. And if they hurt you really bad, it can rack up a balance so big that it bankrupts the relationship. But sometimes you just get nickel and dimed and if you never deal with it, boom, one day you're just done. You're just done with that person. And so he said the best way to deal with paying off that balance is to not try to white knuckle it or just believe it somehow on your own goodwill. But first, in your efforts to forgive, go to the cross and receive the complete forgiveness of Jesus Christ and all of that wealth now goes into your account so that you can pay off the balance. So this became a daily spiritual discipline for me. And I look to Ephesians 4 to show me how to do it. Earlier in Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27, you see a little bit of the mechanics of this. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil a foothold. 
If somebody wounds you and you feel this offense in your heart, this bitterness, this, I'm just having an imaginary conversation with this person. I can't believe they did that. I mean, maybe just it's so deep because of the evil thing that, got, that somebody did to you. How many, of you. how many of you guys, other than me, I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one who's experienced this, but like the increased demonic activity in my life goes up the longer I refuse to forgive. That's just what happened to my life. And so when I came back to a place of recognizing that Jesus went to the cross and he willingly paid for all of my sin, he said, Father, forgive Lee. He doesn't know what he's doing. He forgave me completely. And so all of that wealth he transferred into my account so that no matter what the offense is, no matter how big it is, no matter if it's somebody cutting me off in traffic or if it's like societal injustice, all of those things, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to pay for. And so when we involve ourselves in receiving his forgiveness, we now have the wealth to be able to pay off the debt of anybody else who comes into our lives and wounds us. And so when you're thinking about walking this out, one of the things I would just want to encourage everybody to do, keep a little journal by your bed or something else like that, or even just like pray this before you go to bed at night. Just say, Jesus, I receive all of your forgiveness. Would you help me now, Holy Spirit, just to think up in, in my heart, am I holding bitterness or offense against anybody? Would you help me forgive? And then as the names come bubbling up to your mind, the scenes in your mind, just apply that blood to them. Just say, I forgive them in Jesus' name. I forgive them in Jesus' name. Do that every night so that you can not let the sun go down on your anger. It's right to be angry sometimes, but it's always wrong to take that and to turn it into weaponry to start, and inadvertently what we do is we end up hurting ourselves. We kick the door open to the enemy's work, and listen, y'all, I ain't trying to have any reptiles up in my house. And so when we forgive, we shut that door completely and bring things right back into balance with the cross. You guys, I want you to know and understand God understood that there would be things that happen to us that are very, very bad. People will wrong us. People will do things. We'll do things to other people. Like that is just, this is just a part of life, sadly. But God is the one who said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. He will take care of it. Which is why in that state of anger, so many times, you guys, the best thing that we can do in order to go to war against offense in our own minds is to take that person into prayer to not worry about having a confrontation with them, but just to go into prayer and it's like, Lord, I'm hurting so bad. I just need you to get them. Now, that's funny, but that's real. Like from the smallest thing to the largest thing, take that thing to God. Let him talk to you about it and show you where to put it and show you what to do about it. Because I guarantee you, he will acquaint you with his own pain, with his own grace, with his own forgiveness. And then you will be filled with power to overcome any of that bondage. And that's not going to have a hold on you. Let me tell you something, New Spring. We don't stay in bondage. That's not who we are. We're free people. We're people who are free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So you guys, this is our playlist. Our summer unity workout playlist. I want to encourage you guys to take these four things and to put them into practice today to like engage with them, to try to figure out, okay, who are those people that are rubbing me the wrong way, these grace growers in my life, and then perhaps even get the revelation that that might be you. You might be the grace grower in somebody's life. 
and to know that God uses those people in our lives to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus. And we're in this thing together. For so many folks on this Father's Day, I just want to bless you in Jesus' name that you might just incorporate a new way of thinking about your families and the, and the close relationships that you have. So I want to pray for you. Would you stand at every campus? Ministry teams, you guys can go ahead and get into your positions in every room. Thank you, ministry teams, for everything that you do. So I just want to offer this prayer of encouragement. Somebody from your campus is going to come out and tell you the five ways uh, to, that we respond in just a moment um, when I'm done praying. But I just want to pray for us as we continue now. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the power and the practicality of your word. And I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just do something miraculous in every room right now. I pray that you would soften up the hearts of fathers and mothers to the younger generation. The same way that you said that before Christ comes, that we would experience the spirit and power of Elijah, the one that would reunite generations, breaking down a wall of hostility. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and do that? Would you soften us up? Would you make us men and women of prayer? who are ready to see prodigals come home, who are ready to see bondage broken. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina. Thank you.